Here we are, we're back, episode 36 of Built For Better. Today I done a wonderful episode with Kate Gordon. I was very impressed with how this one turned out. Uh, Kate has competed at the CrossFit Games. Uh, she's a part of CrossFit seminar staff. And more importantly, she has a love for nutrition. She's a nutrition coach. And she really says it how it is. She really calls out all the shit that is in the industry. Uh, so I know you're going to love this episode, but before we get into it, let's roll the intro. I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right, that's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. Wasted energy, spending the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to send to me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency, I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon, I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Gordon, so you were just saying that lockdown's uh, just getting a little bit um, eased? Yeah, so, um, I mean, you know what? I, I really can't complain. Lockdown has been kind to me. I've had a friend down the road who's in my 5K bubble. We've just been training on his driveway. Um, all my work is online. So, I like, you know, it's been it's been good. <laughs> How long's it been for you? Was it did you just go into like pretty harsh lockdowns in March, or it's been a little bit after that, hasn't it? So the way that I measure the lockdown by is like when gyms closed. So gyms closed in March, like the, the second week of March. They reopened for two or three weeks in, I think it was July, um, and then they've been closed since July through till another three more weeks. So the end of October. October, hopefully we don't we don't really know about gym and do you still do any coaching in the gym uh only the odd class here or there so it was like two sessions a week so so i'm yeah not a lot and how's this affected your training um oh there's been some highs and lows <laughs> i first lockdown because i just come off the back of the oz crossfit championship like you know any post competition you're in a bit of a bit of a like flat point in training so that was definitely brutal having everything shut down no socializing and you know that was also when everybody was very uh scared and paranoid and cautious so it was like it was just a ghost town so um that was a pretty horrible phase and then i got out of it towards the end uh and i felt really good going into our second lockdown and then i've probably just had maybe just recently a few weeks of just like I'm still training and I'm still been eating well and everything's on point, but I just I'm not really enjoying it. Like I just <laughs> I had a few weeks of like I just didn't really feel like training. So the motivation for actually just showing up is just really running low at this point. But you know, we're almost there. We're almost there. And your PB to back squat yesterday, I see, was at 140? Yes, 140, which I was stoked on because I really um wasn't pushing the weights without training like we've, we've rob's had us on a bit of a um squatting cycle so I, I wasn't doing the percentages as they were prescribed but i was squatting you know two or three times a week for probably six weeks now or eight weeks now so i think just the volume was enough um i pretty much worked at like 80 percent the whole time um and i still made a significant improvement so yeah i'm stoked on that it's interesting to reflect when you can really grind out percentages and really go to the kilo or half a kilo or however you want to go. But then when you can just squat, uh, not super heavy, but just do a lot of reps, how it can kind of translate to similar results. 
Yeah, well, the thing was is like I just like my hips been a little junky. I think because we're inside a lot and not getting out as much, I've been sitting down a lot more. Like I looked at my average steps from the past week. My average steps was 1,600, which is <laughs> bad. Like, and I mean, that's from my phone. Like I don't wear a watch, so I don't always have my phone on me, but it's like, you know, it's low. So um, my hip and back, like they've just been playing up. So I just decided that I needed to dial the weights back a little bit and just fix up my knee position and my squats because I've always been probably the thing that's let me down on my squat. Um, but, you know, being a long femur human, it's, it's pretty hard. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just decided, you know what, pull the weights back and just get your knees where they need to be. Don't sacrifice and compromise on that. You have to squat a weight where you can keep mechanics exactly where you need, need them to be. And then, you know, the end point of that is that my mechanics felt so much more solid and everything felt really strong. So I, I did that. And what I did to kind of supplement the weights because I wasn't lifting as much is I was doing a lot of um, hip thrusts, actually, just to like kind of build my glutes a little bit. Um, and that's definitely made me feel quite a bit stronger. So I've really enjoyed that combo of like squat for mechanics and then for like weights and just getting gross loading happening, just the hip thrusts. Other than a barbell, what other equipment have you been using? Um, not a lot. <laughs> I do have a kettlebell and a dumbbell. Um, and then at my buddy's place, he's got a pull-up bar and we've got a handstand push-up spot and we've got a place that we can hang rings. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been like, I mean, it's been like classic CrossFit really. Like it's not like you need that much stuff. Um, but there hasn't been a lot of like machines. I haven't been on a bike or a roller in a while. Um, so that might be a bit of a rude awakening when we're back at the gyms. Good opportunity to work on some other things that you probably may have overlooked though when you did have them objects. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I actually kept saying like, oh, I'm going to work on my running and it just, it hasn't happened. <laughs> <laughs> What's your biggest goal at the moment? Like what keeps you training? Um, you know, it's funny. I really have been very wishy-washy goals for the last little while um, just because it was like, there was nothing to train for um, with the competition season changing. It was it, that structure of the year that we have with, you know, the events, like it really creates great deadlines for you for training and great goals. So that kind of provided you with the motivation. So without that, I have just been trying to train and just being consistent. And, and literally it's like, Hey, if you can just show up and just Pat's been really good at helping me be accountable because I'm training with him. So that's been really awesome. Um, but I haven't really had any goals and just last week, I started getting back into the rhythm of like, you know what, I want to push again, like I want to get uncomfortable again, and I want to just rebuild my, um, sort of my aerobic capacity really is what I always have to work on. Uh, and then one of the guys from uh, the gym in Tassie that have got a comp that they're running in January hit me up to be like, hey, do you want to come out for this? And I was like, yes, please, that would be awesome. So that's kind of got me all fired up to go down and throw down with them. It's right before the open. So um, that's kind of the goal. I don't have any particular goals within CrossFit of like, hey, I want to do this weight or I want to do this lift or I want to do whatever. It's just like I just want to get in the zone and, and be really consistent up leading up to this January comp. And he's going back to the CrossFit game, something that interests you? Yeah, it always is. Um, like that's, you know, I think for anyone doing CrossFit competitively, it's like, fuck yeah, that's that would be the dream goal. Like that would be the ideal. Um, I definitely kind of took my sights away from that for a while. It really kind of just after last year's games um, and then with the lockdown this year, it was like it kind of changed things. So 
Um, yeah, people ask me that pretty regular, regularly, like, hey, what's the go? Are you going for the games? What are you doing? But um, my, like, my drive is to just be the best version of me and, like, pursue excellence. And, and yes, the best version of me would be the version that one day qualified for the games. Um, but when that happens, I don't know. It's just about every day just, you know, showing up and trying to be a little bit better. Yeah, that's just the end goal and it's kind of out of your control, isn't it? You can just control what you do, you know, today and tomorrow. Yeah, and you know, like it's a bit of a extrinsic motivator as well, something like the, the games. Like it's a big goal and it's a, something that requires big action, so it's a really amazing goal. Um, but I also find that I'm not – I don't – respond as well to intrinsic motivation I'm, I'm better with intrinsic motivation so the I want to be the best version of me is equivalent to I want to go to the games because the best version of me is the version that I can visualize you know being on the podium at something like the games but that doesn't seem to light the fire in me as much as like hey this is this is you today and tomorrow you just want to be a little bit better and then the next day and it's like can you keep doing that can you keep pushing what you think you're capable of um so, so it has to be like a very personal thing for me that's super cool when did you come to that realization that that was your driving factor um i did a lot of work with when i was training with matt swift across at brisbane i did, did a bit of work with his wife wendy swift who's a sports psychologist um and had some really cool conversations with her around what do you want like what do you actually want and don't be fucking scared to say it like it's okay to dream it's okay to have really big lofty goals um better to do that than, than to have some kind of mediocre goal and sell yourself short so one of the first things that he said to me was like, you know, don't do something that's within reach, do something that's way out of reach. That's, that's more worth your while. That's going to be where you actually realize your potential. Um, and then the other thing was the conversations that I had with Wendy, she would, uh, they were really hard conversations. She would really push you. Um, and that was the realization of like, Hey, what is your best? Like you want to be the best version of you. What is the best version of you? Like, what is that? Tell me what that is. Is that, do you think that you could compete at the games? Do you think that you rank amongst those women? Like what's, what's the difference between you and those women? Tell me why you couldn't be one of those women. Like rather than thinking, why me think, why not me? Um, and so a lot of those conversations started to help me um, I guess merge the concept of like my best and being a winner, being someone on the podium, like that was what brought it together. Her being like, what do you want? Do you think that you're any different to those girls? Cause you're not. And when you look back, do you feel like you've always been a big thinker? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm definitely, I've always been hyper self-aware and um, like, analytical around like the way that I do stuff um I think just like I was a performer when I was younger like I was a dancer and was really into performing arts so we we were trained to think about what we were doing and think about how we were being seen and think about w what other people were how people were receiving us so that's always kind of been part of it um I think though it's been to my detriment at times for sure like thinking can really hold you back as an athlete um it's like you know you talk about choking or panicking and it's it's it happens up here it's not happening in the body so um yeah I've definitely always been a thinker and it's been it's been good for personal growth and development and and as a as a human as well as an as an athlete um but yeah it's it's definitely it's got it's a double-sided uh what do you call it uh I've lost that phrase it's like there's you know the good and the bad <laughs> yeah let's rewind tell us what you're like um back at school and what your upbringing was like um pretty 
pretty normal upbringing, I guess. I grew up in New Zealand. I grew up in Auckland, um, central Auckland with my family. That's still all over there. And um, I was pretty active as a kid. Like me and my brother were super active. Um, we spent the winters on the mountain skiing and summers behind the boat on like wakeboards. Um, I wasn't ever into any team sports. Like I never played any competitive sports except for I did a little bit of martial arts and a little bit of gymnastics for a few years. Like I, I kind of just did a little bit of everything but never anything seriously. Um, I really fell in love with dance when I was in like my early teens and that was kind of like what I committed to as a sport. I always wanted to try a lot of different stuff. Like I always wanted to do different things. Um, but I, I think my parents were like, no, just fucking pick one, please just pick one. And uh, so it was dance. So um, yeah, that was kind of my thing. Um, and yeah, I, uh, finished school and stopped dancing. I snapped my ACL. Um, so that kind of took me on a different path. Um, and I kind of just was like, you know, I was drinking and partying and loved uni and had a whole lot of uni friends. And then when you graduate, I was doing a bunch of traveling. Um, so I wasn't super healthy or fit. Um, and I ended up working on the front desk of a gym um, in between living in the, in the US. So I had to come back and forth a little bit between visas. And uh, that was when I found CrossFit. So I just bought like a um, Groupon or like a month voucher for unlimited classes. And uh, yeah, I just kind of got sucked in and it just slowly took over and it became my, you know, it became something that I, I enjoyed seeing progress in. And then it became my social circle. And then I realized that I could travel around the world and there'd be other CrossFitters that I could also become friends with. <laughs> And then I was back in the US and there was a gym that needed someone working the front desk. So I started working the front desk and then they needed a coach and I had my level one. So it just, you know, these things just started happening and I was in the right place at the right time. And uh, yeah, it just snowballed. And here we are. <laughs> what did you study at uni? Um, I started studying, it was a BA, so it was a Bachelor of Arts. My I started with a major in performing arts with a minor in dance. Like I wanted to study dance, but the school that I went to, uh, you could only minor in it. Uh, but once I snapped my ACL, I flipped to a major in film with a minor in performing arts. So nothing to do with what you're doing now. Yeah, I don't use that degree at all. <laughs> <laughs> How good. <laughs> and uh, I guess now like you're known as CrossFit Kate pretty much. <laughs> What, uh, what's your biggest lesson from CrossFit? Oh, um, you know, there's been, there's been a few for sure. There's been a lot. Like I attribute a lot of my success and growth and the challenges that I've been faced with and then been able to overcome to CrossFit and the people that I've met. Um, a big part of that was coming on board with seminar staff. Like there was a massive growth as a, as a coach and I really didn't see myself as an athlete for a long time when I was doing CrossFit. Um, I really was focused on just being a coach and that was what I loved and that was what I wanted to do. Um, and I also kind of denied that side of me. I didn't think I was competitive. And, and really what it was is I didn't think I was good enough and I didn't want to risk failing in front of people. So I, I really just was like, no, no, I'm a coach. I don't want to be a competitor. But secretly, I really wanted to. <laughs> Um, so I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I learned in the seminar like process of one interning and then 
steps to getting on board and, and kind of going through the learning phases of being a member of seminar staff in the early stages um, was taking feedback and being given really critical feedback and learning how to deal with that. Um, that was really, really hard and really, really good for me um, as every good coach or trainer or business owner or person in a relationship or anything and everything, you know, learns like feedback is what helps you make progress. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely there's definitely an art to one giving feedback and two receiving feedback. So <laughs> that has been a massive lesson for me um, in terms of training and, you know, getting getting strong enough and fit enough and, and being able to compete at the games and, you know, be a member of a couple of different teams. Um, I think just, I th you know, I think just never thinking that something's impossible. Like you, you can't ever limit yourself and you can't ever assume that you're not that person or that's just not you or that your trajectory is fixed. I think that that is something that, you know, you just don't ever know. And I think if you, if you bet on the, even if it's a low possibility of it working, then like that's the bet you should take. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think being willing to take a chance and put in the work and take a risk and being okay with failing. Um, that's something that I probably learned from, from striving to be a competitor. And with the dealing with the critical feedback, how did you used to get much feedback from your parents or was it completely <laughs> new to you? I just know myself that it's something that uh, I struggled with because it was the first time that I'd ever really gotten it. Yeah. You know, I, I like basically I have no idea what I was really like when they first started giving me feedback, but later down the track, they would comment on how much better I was at taking the feedback. So I assumed that I must have been awful. <laughs> but I Too think nice a lot girl. of the time, yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what I was doing wrong, but um, I think, um, I would take it very personally and it like, I remember there was moments where I would tear up and I would just be like panicky and I felt like I was in trouble. Like I was always the good kid in school. Like I never got in trouble cause I, I just hated to be on the spot in trouble for doing a bad thing. Like I, I have this massive sense of guilt, you know, with anything that goes wrong at any time. If, any, if anybody says like, Hey, can we talk? I'm like, Oh fuck, what have I done? Oh shit. I've done something wrong. Like, it's just like, I'm that person. So I avoid that situation. I'm not confrontational. Like, don't like arguments like I just keep away from that stuff so getting critical feedback was very like I think I went very quiet I would always just kind of shut down a little bit I'd get potentially a bit emotional um I'd never I'd never chat back I'd never ask why I'd never be defensive but I would just get very like quiet and upset about it and then privately I'd be like frustrated and not know why and and think it wasn't you know it was them not me um, so I think what I've shifted to is being open to discussing what, what I can do to improve and, and what it was specifically that I did that, that didn't quite like hit the mark and, and, and Hey, what do I need to change and how can I implement this? And, and just being a little bit more curious about the feedback and considering rather than thinking immediately, like they're wrong, they're wrong. They, they don't understand. They don't get it. They missed it. Thinking, what if they're right? what if they are right? Even if I fucking think they're totally wrong, what if you just have to consider what if they are right? And if they're right, what would that mean? And then you go from there. So I think that just can just kind of being like, you, it's almost like you have to put yourself in their shoes. Like, Hey, what, what if they did see that thing that happened that they're telling me about? And, and like, I just got to call myself out on that shit and, and change it. And, and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But like, you, you won't know until you try changing something. 
Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I want to dive in and chat about nutrition, but before we do, just with your CrossFit, what's been, if you could just pick one highlight out of everything you've done, what would be your your biggest highlight if there's one moment or? Uh, I loved sanctional last year. I was terrified of t- turning up and I'd been thrown into that team with Rob Forte, James Newbury and Maddie Sturt like two weeks prior uh, man, I was like, Oh God, this is a horrible idea. Um, and it was awesome. It was like just such a great weekend and they were super supportive, really, really great team, like total professionals. It, it was one of the first competitions where I was like, you know, I thought I was pretty like fine tuned with competing. Like I've done a ton of competitions. I love performing. I thrive on the floor. I've always been a performer. I'm good in front of people. I really enjoy that environment. And I thought like, you know, like, I mean, I was scared because I knew it was going to hurt, but I also knew that I would be able to hold my own. And I was like, you know, I got this. And then when we were out there, I was the one fucking up all the time. I was the one making mistakes. I was the one doing the slip ups. I was, you know, they were just so on point with everything. It was like mind boggling. I thought I was good, but man, they, they were next level with it. So, um, that was, that was an awesome, awesome weekend. It was so much fun. And like to come out with the win was just epic. Yeah. hundred. And uh, obviously CrossFit's changed the whole world of strength and conditioning. What do you think it is about it that's just essentially it blew up, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was the antidote to the fucking Globo Gym. It was the antidote to having to do cardio for 45 minutes, like three or four or five times a week. It was, it was the opposite to everything that everybody had ever seen in the fitness industry. Um, and I think that, you know, when I grew up, there was a lot of, classes like you know we're all familiar with like uh, body pump and um like all those all those group fitness classes and they were becoming popular um but they were always dominated by women and it was very much marketed towards women and i don't think that men were getting to experience that one that social setting and two that fun environment of like we're going to work out as a group and do this together and like you're kind of racing the person next to you so um and not that crossfit took it from there but crossfit had that same feeling but it was there were men involved and there was a way to make it where it was not about music and dance moves it was like hey we're going to be doing a class but we're going to squat and then we're going to do this workout where you have to do pull-ups and run like you know it was just i think it was totally different and a major depart departure from everything else you'd seen in conventional gyms it was interesting so what you had is you had a lot of people that were um they were the people that try stuff first, you know, they were the, they were the ones that kind of go out of their way to do new things and they are the niche market and they are kind of on the fence or on the cusp or just on the edges of the fitness industry. They're not in the, they're not on the conventional mainstream stuff and they find the new things. And so you ended up with this group of really interesting, smart, intelligent people um, that suddenly got really incredible results. Um, And, and slowly that just, that just, you know, picked up momentum. So yeah, I think it was just totally different to everything else. Um, it was a relief for people who fucking hated gyms, which like I still walk into Globo gyms and I'm like, Ugh, it's like being in a hospital, you know, it's like just weird. Um, so I think it was, yeah, it, it just provided a really cool environment, a really great social setting. And, I, you know, I still say to people that are like, hey, what's what's your advice to someone starting CrossFit or like going into gym? I'm like, man, make friends, like make friends with people because once you've got that social connection, you're in, you're in and you're going to be sold, you're going to convert. And that's that's what it takes. Yeah, I can't even picture going and using a leg press or leg extension <laughs> or anything again. I can't believe I wasted it. It's almost like a novelty. Like occasionally I'll be in a gym or like a hotel gym and we don't have normal, like, yeah, so you kind of have to do like 
some yeah leg press or some whatever like on the I don't even know what the machines are called so it's, it's <laughs> foreign but it kind of feels a little bit like ooh wow this is exciting <laughs> yeah let's jump jump across to nutrition so you're a nutrition coach with the method yeah yeah I am and what's your love for nutrition where's that come from you know, it kind of, funny enough, they reached out to me. So um, Kayla and I kind of hung out a little bit um, and chatted online and seen each other at events and just slowly kind of gotten to know each other. And she just ended up reaching out to me and being like, hey, like, I want you to be one of these coaches, um, like, just after seeing stuff that I've been putting up on social media. And I think I really fell in love with nutrition through the seminars because of the information that we were teaching on the level one seminars and, and level two seminars. Um, which it was just refreshing to see nutrition spoken about in that way. And it was, it was very logical. And I remember even when I did my level one, it was, it was kind of like a, a light bulb moment that shouldn't be a light bulb moment because it was so obvious, the information that they were telling us. And I remember thinking that that was really, really cool. And so when I started doing the level one seminars myself, one of the main topics that I really um, just jumped on was nutrition because it was one that I was lacking the most knowledge in. I, I understood the movements. I understood the coaching of the CrossFit stuff. I understood the workouts and I, I got the programming and, you know, the methodology, but the food thing, like I just knew that I had holes in my knowledge. And, and so I just had to, you know, 100% dive into that and, and firsthand had to experience all the things that people were asking questions about or people wanted to know about. And, and so it was this kind of process of just like self-experimentation for a few years. Um, and it still is, it still is really. So um, that's kind of where I got into the food thing. And cause man, when you've been crossfitting for a while and then you figure out how to eat properly and be consistent with that, like your crossfitting gets real good, real fast. It changes the game. Um, it's unreal. Like your your energy, your mood, your ability to go hard in workouts, your recovery, like your sleep improves, like your skin improves, everything. Like when you figure out your food thing, because that's what happens. People come in for CrossFit and then hopefully if they've got a coach that starts talking about food, they fix up their food and they stop, you know, eating some of the junk and they increase some of the whole foods. Um, and it's like you, you just see the separation in the gym between people that just CrossFit and people that CrossFit and eat well. It's like it's amazing. Yeah, I can see it in my own gym. <laughs> the um, That's exactly how I taught myself about nutrition is just all through what I've done right and what I've done wrong yeah. over the time. Yeah. Like not, there's not one thing that's right for everyone, but it is very kind of similar. Mm. What um, Like you're pretty vocal on tracking. When do you think you should track and when shouldn't you track? Do you know, I think it's it's worthwhile for everyone to go through a phase of tracking, even if it's, you know, two weeks. It's it's a good process of just, again, learning about what, what the macronutrients are in food because that's a really important element of understanding food. Um, and then also knowing the total calorie intake that you're, you're consuming. Um, so it, it's, I guess, to a degree about educating yourself um, and just gaining knowledge around food. Um, but I think the, the quantity side of things is not more important than the quality side. They, they should be balanced. And I think when you are too hyper-focused on just qual uh, quantity, then sometimes we can forget quality and forget how to, how to make good decisions and, and how to eat based on what makes us feel good. So I've been staring away from tracking more and more the longer that I've done it because 
tracking does some funny things to me where I'm like, I just eat for the sake of eating or because it can fit my macros or I eat big foods that I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't eat and I don't even feel like, but they fit. So I just do it. Um, or I make portions that are not th- that are just too much or too little, like kind of do some weird things based on like, Hey, I'm just working off numbers that are on my phone. Um, whereas now, like I've been moving away more and more and more. And right now I'm not tracking and you just really get to eat food for how it makes you feel eat the amount that feels right for you and it's kind of not always on, on your mind. You're just not focused on it all the time. It's it's kind of like a secondary thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, things, it probably comes down to the your psychological relationship with food, I guess, with regards to, hey, should you track or shouldn't you track? Um, it comes down to where you are in your food journey. If you've never tracked before um, or, like, you know, you've never, you know, even eaten a piece of broccoli before. Like, you know, maybe there's a few things we do before we worry about tracking. Um, but perhaps tracking is the best thing for someone. It, it really, it's really hard to say. I wish I could give you a more definitive, definitive answer. But um, I think at some point for everybody, they should go through at least a short phase of tracking um, just to get an idea of what they're eating, how much they're eating. Um, and then outside of that, the focus is, majority of the time um just quantity uh quality yeah i know the stages i don't go through tracking and then i kind of get back on the bandwagon and i punch in what i'm eating and then i like slowly you know my smoothie might go from 50 (laughs) to 70 to 100 grams of oats and then you look and you're like geez i need to wheel this back a little bit yeah i know that uh right now because i'm not tracking normally i don't cook with that much oil but i've been like cooking my eggs and like butter and oil and i'm just like this is awesome <laughs> but like man i can feel good and i'm not i'm not um i'm not being anal about food which is really nice majority of my clients are women how is the weight loss journey different for a woman um so the weight loss i mean it's the same it's the same for men and women like you have to be in a calorie deficit like that's really kind of the 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 main thing that you need to lose weight. However, if you're looking at scales, your body weight changes and fluctuates a lot more, generally speaking, for a woman because of her menstrual cycle. So what can be be incredibly infuriating and frustrating is that you can be working your ass off for a month and feel like you've gained weight because it's the week out from your period and you're retaining water and you're feeling really puffy and fluffy and you're sleeping like crap and your mood swings are you know it's like it's just like this perfect storm (laughs) and then you hold on if you're lucky if some of us don't always make it like sometimes it's just like fuck this i'm out (laughs) but if you hold on then suddenly you know you see all these results but they happen in one week so um it, it depends i think if you are a woman trying to be healthy trying to be fit or trying to lose weight whatever your goals are if you're not tracking your period and you're not and observing your symptoms and, and crossing them, cross-referencing them with where you are in your cycle, like you're, you're going to miss out on understanding a lot of things that are happening with your body that will make a whole lot more sense once you start doing that. So, um, yeah, weight fluctuations, um, mood fluctuations, um, like ability to train hard, ability to recover well, sleeping, um, like, and then things from like skin and digestion and stuff like that is, it's all impacted by your menstrual cycle and like, Man, it's so hard to see so many women so confused and surprised by it when I'm like, this happens every month. Like, this is something that you're going to see reoccur. There is a pattern. you got to start finding the patterns. So, um, yeah, weight loss is the same for men and women um, in terms of what you need to do. How it happens and how long it takes is very different. You can't compare yourself to how the guy's doing. That's the thing. Like, I have a lot of, um, like, partners or husband and wives that train together and it's like why is he getting such good results and i'm not getting yeah. it 
Yeah, yeah, totally different, totally different. You can't, and it, and it does suck. That's when you, it's always when there are partners that are like trying to lose weight together and hubby's lost like five kilos in a week and like the wifey's like, man, I lost like 300 grams, what the hell? <laughs> so um, yeah, it's definitely really tough, but it, whatever the whatever the goal is, you're, you're going to be on your own journey. As much as you think it's going to be straightforward, it's going to be the same as what other people have had happen to them. It's like it's going to take its own time and, and you just almost got to expect the worst and just be ready to just do it for as long as it takes. So when you say calorie deficit, most people decide uh, they're going to start their weight loss journey this Monday and they're going to cut everything and they're going to eat a 1,000 calories and they're going to do meal replacement shakes and everything. How do we, uh, how do we break the trend that's, that's, I guess, become the norm now? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's so many things out there that are, like, sold to you as, like, hey, here's the plan, here, here it is, like, it's on a platter and you just take this and do it and it's sorted, it's simple, it's straightforward, just three shakes a day and you're done and it's, like, ugh. Um, but it's not sustainable, right? Like, that's the main thing. It's, like, whatever diet you're doing, you have to ask yourself, could you do it for the rest of your life? And, and maybe the rest of your life is too dramatic, but could you do it for the next six to 12 months might be a little bit more of a realistic question. In terms of figuring out how much you need to eat and, and like what the starting point is for you, like I said, tracking has to be done for a short period of time in order to know how many calories you're consuming. So you don't have to track to lose weight, but you have to eat less than you need in order to lose weight. And if you don't know how much you're eating, you don't know how to eat less. So that's what happens. People cut everything and they cut too much and then it's like they last three days and they're like, man, this is, I'm, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, yeah, because you're not eating. <laughs> so the, the most simple approach is just track. And if you've never tracked, this is the best way to learn to track. Just track what you're currently eating and spend two or three weeks, like be patient with it. I know everyone's like, I'm starting Monday and I'm going to lose weight from Monday onwards. And it's like, just, just slow down. Like this is going to be a long journey. You're doing this for a while. So two or three weeks of just looking at what you're currently eating. Um, and then once you've done two or three weeks, you will have a set of numbers and you can figure out the averages of those numbers very easily. You'll know your total calorie intake per day on average. You'll know how many grams of protein, how many grams of carbs and how many grams of fat you're consuming each day. And that is going to tell you, hey, if you've been eating an average of 2000 calories a day, you're going to easily create a deficit by cutting off maybe 200 to 300 calories. So you might be targeting like 1800 calories per day. Uh, and then you'll be able to kind of figure out what your protein, carbs, and fat are based off what you're currently eating. Um, and then there's, there, like, it's actually really easy to find, like, hey, in terms of how to establish your protein, it might be, like, 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. So, like, there's all these little calculations you can do. Um, it's, it's not hard to find. I mean, I even have them on my um, social media on one of my IGTV videos. So, it's, like, you can kind of figure that stuff out. Um, so protein is about 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight. Carbohydrates is going to be what's left over after you've taken the protein and the fat out. And the fat, generally speaking, I get people to do about 1 gram of fat per kilo of body weight. So if I'm 80 kilos, I'm eating 80 grams of fat. Um, in terms of the protein, to explain that, like if I weigh, if I weigh 155 uh, pounds when I convert my weight, then I'll be doing 0.8 for every pound of body weight. And that's my protein. And then what's left over. Um, so it's, I know the numbers start to get a little bit like, oh my God, my head's going to explode. Um, but it's, it's really simple when you sit down and just and figure it out after you've already been tracking. 
And do you ever just focus solely on calories to start and then pick on your protein, then worry about your calories and um, fat last, or do you kind of just try and do it all together? Yeah, I think the more I've been doing this and the longer I've been doing it myself and the more that I've been coaching people, the simpler is really the the better. Um, And especially if the goal is weight loss. Like if the goal is weight loss, then the difference between high fat or high carbs is so minor, it doesn't even matter. Like I think it's like the percentage of weight loss between the two groups when they're compared is like, you know, half a percentage difference. So it's like there's no there's no adv- advantage to eating more carbohydrates and lower fat or eating more fat and lower carbohydrates. So what you can do in that case, the most important thing is that <clears throat> you're in a calorie deficit is establish the calorie deficit and then have a protein target which is your 0.8 or whatever the range is that you've decided is right for you um, and work off those two targets and scrap carbs and fat and don't worry about it. And just, you can fill up the total calories with whatever split of carbs and fat works for you for that day. Like you may not even pay attention to it. So in my chronometer app, I don't even have numbers under carbs and fat. I just have my protein target and my calorie target. Yeah. I love that style with my clients. Yeah. Um, where are we going? I've got a couple of questions here. I might just fire at you. Do particular macro splits affect body comp and performance? Kind of what we we're just talking about. Yeah. So two things, body composition. If you're trying to lose weight, then no, it doesn't matter. Performance. Um, and, and I mean, even if you're trying to gain weight, like it really comes down to your calorie intake, your total calorie intake. And then the reason that we put protein in, in there is that protein is the building block for muscle. So if you want muscle to improve body composition, which yes, you do, <laughs> then you want to make sure you've got your protein target there. In terms of performance, um, now, different things can work for different people and also different things can work for different sports or generally speaking, different um, metabolic pathways. So for example, CrossFit is a glycolytic sport, meaning that we use the glycolytic pathway, which is fueled by carbohydrates. So if you've ever seen any of the CrossFit Games athletes share how many macronutrients of or how many grams of each macro they're eating, they're usually eating a ton of carbohydrates. And the reason for that is, is that we use that carb as our main source of fuel um, for, for the activity that we're doing so like you're thinking of like your olympic weightlifting or your high intensity workouts like we spend the predominant amount of our time in the glycolytic pathway so we fuel with carbs now the more that you start to go into your aerobic pathway the more that the body relies on fat metabolism to provide the fuel for that exercise so you'll often see endurance athletes um be really big on eating high, high amounts of fat because fat is a great source of fuel for them. Um, however, it, it's also not, it's not optimal if you're not doing aerobic stuff. So if you're doing aerobic, that's awesome. But if you're doing CrossFit and you're eating really, really high amounts of fat, so like paleo diet, um, and you're eating a ton of fat, it's like that's a suboptimal way to produce um, energy for us to do our sport. So, um, yeah, you'll see generally speaking more carbs for more intensity, um, and more fat for more longer efforts for me. Um, for what I've experienced is before a competition or before a big session, if I eat a lot of fat the day before, I feel really good. Like I just feel like I have very easily sustained energy. Um, but I also still eat high carbs. So I don't generally keep that as a consistent theme. I don't always eat high carbs and high fat. So on competitions, what I do, what works really well for me is the night before I'll have like a ton of peanut butter. I'll have nuts. I'll have like very fatty meats. I'll use a lot of olive oil and butter in my cooking. I'll just like really jack up my fat intake 
which really is just jacking up my calorie intake because fat is so dense in calories. Then the next day, I don't eat a lot of fat. I eat much more carbohydrates and protein, but I just feel awesome. Like, I don't know what it is, just having a really big, like, increase of fat the day prior. I feel really, really good. Like, just, just like, I can really sustain my energy output. Um, so that's something that works really well for me. Not necessarily something that works for everybody, though. Great answer. Uh, do you balance your CrossFit workouts with lower intensity workouts? No. <laughs> CrossFit does that for me. When you do constantly varied functional movements at high intensity, like CrossFit does that, especially if you're following a program that utilizes heavy days. Those are kind of the days where you don't have that same high intensity, um, that workout style. So, no, I don't. Um, I will say, though, that I have deliberate rest days and, like, very quiet days in my training because, like, I just I, – I don't enjoy training if I'm constantly, like, smashing my body. So, um, yeah, I'll take two very good days off. One of those days is sometimes a bit of, like, an active recovery day where I'll just do some kind of cruisy workout. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I either hit my workouts how they're meant to be hit with high intensity or I hit the lifting how it's meant to be hit. Um, and then when I need to rest, I just rest. Yeah, perfect answer. What um, what area or exercise do you think all women make mistakes with? Um, oh, that's kind of an interesting question. Um, I it's really hard to like generalize that statement. Like, what do all women make mistakes in? I think I see a lot of women come in that are. Um, have got issues with their hips and glutes and knees. Um, that's probably a consistent thing. Um, and then I also see a lot of women that have like just are lacking a lot of upper body strength. So um, not that that's something that's like women are making a mistake with that. Um, so I think in terms of what you probably see happen is if we have unstable joints like or unstable joints like in the shoulder because they're lacking upper body strength or they have some stuff going on with their hips or glutes or like the hypermobile or they just are lacking strength to find positions then what you often will see is like we do a whole lot of olympic weightlifting and like squatting and then you do a whole lot of like you learn how to do kipping pull-ups and you often run into problems where people just have like niggles or injuries or issues that could have been avoided had they done some just really basic boring strength work for like a couple of months before they started throwing themselves into too much dynamic like loading. Um, so I think often, and this is really the case for anybody like men included, the more time you can spend doing boring, basic strength building stuff like push-ups, strict pull-ups, um, slow squats at light weights and just kind of really build up those basic movements, the better off you're going to be when you start doing more Olympic lifting and more complex gymnastics and workouts at a high volume. Yeah. What protein sources do you consume? Uh, so if I'm not just eating it from food, I'll supplement with, um, I use ATPs no way. So I've, I've kind of been around with protein. I, I used to use um, whey protein isolate and then I had a lot of issues with my skin. So I cut dairy completely for about 18 months. I've been able to reintroduce it, but I've avoided whey um, mostly because um, whey has been separated from the fat and just that process means that it can be um, something that spikes your insulin and it has this insulin growth factor. So it's just something that has been 
kind of shown in a few different studies to, to just not be great for skin. So, I mean, it's, there's, there are also studies that show that there's no connection between like dairy and skin and insulin and, and you know, that stuff. But um, it was for me, I was so bad. I was like, I'm just cutting it. Like I'm, I'm just going to get rid of it and, and just bring it back in and see what happens. Um, and when I did get rid of it, I, my skin got better. So I avoided whey protein and I started eating a lot of plant protein, like pea proteins. Um, and then I discovered that the ATP collagen protein, um, and it's a hydrolyzed collagen protein, so it's absorbed much better. Um, and it's a really nice consistency and it's not like mega sweet, which I really like. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my go-to at the moment. I've been using that for a few years now. Yeah. Perfect. What, um, other than that though, do you have specific cuts of meat or do you stick, stick with, do you have fattier or leaner or you just mix it around? I'm a sucker for a really good cut of meat. So like <laughs> I, when I'm tracking macros, I tend to go for more lean options. Like I'll avoid getting things like lamb, which I, I love lamb and I just tend to avoid it with when I'm tracking. Um, so the fattier cuts of meat that I will do is like ground beef. But even then I get, you know, the stuff that's pretty lean. Um, and then I have, I have salmon as well as regularly as I can or as often as I can. So that tends to be a little bit higher on the fats. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I kind of, with, re, with regards to my choice of meat, rather than opting for something that's lean or fatter or avoiding one or the other, I just look for diversity based on the micronutrients of the meat. Like meat is not just a source of protein that's either got fat on it or not. Meat is an incredible source of minerals. Like, you know, that's some of the most nutrient dense foods that we can get. So like eating things like um, organ meats and including things like shellfish, like that's what we really need to be worrying about rather than like, oh, should I eat this fatty cut of chicken or fatty cut of steak? Like, what should I do? It's like, man, just get more diversity and, and continue to eat whole foods the the whole like the cut of the fat like fat doesn't make you fat like it's not something that you really need to be focused on we're, we're missing something if you're just worried about that we're missing the whole point of like eating these good quality like meats like that they're, they're really beneficial for us yeah uh relationship uh, my relationship with food is awful i used to be overweight i've dropped 20 kgs i'm starting to get anxious to eat again i'm sometimes very happy to only eat a thousand calories help <laughs> Oh, oh god <laughs> help the, the cry for help um that's that's really tough i think you know when we start heading down the path of like i have this really um like a mental block with food and i have like a lot of stuff going on around food that's actually not anything to do with like eating food to eat food it's like all to do with like um, your relationship with food and how you feel about it and and guilt and shame and and any kind of internalized fat phobia and any kind of issues around you know body image and self-esteem like there's a lot of things going on there and more and more I drive people to go and seek help with that stuff than to think that I can be like well this is what you need to do with how many calories you're eating like that's like when people are in that situation, the work that needs to be done is not figuring out how much food they need to eat. The work that needs to be done is figuring out 
why they feel that way when they eat food, why they feel like they need to cut more weight, why they feel like they can't eat food. Like what is the actual problem here? Where are those thoughts coming from and, and how can you deal with them? And what resources do you need to find to help you change those things? Like how can you be productive about that rather than looking at how do I fix it? How do I do this? It's like, why, why are you even trying to fix it? Why, why is it a problem? What happened? Um, so I think there's a lot of internal work that has to be done with those, those kinds of things. Yes. And seek help. Food's a wonderful thing. Like want to try and build a good relationship with it, don't we? Yeah. And it, it exists. Like it, it does exist. And I know it's really hard. And I think that the reason that I stare people further away from just dieting their way through that stuff is that the diet is often the cause. Like it really is. Um, dieting and restricting and thinking you need to lose weight or control your weight or control the way you look only binds you to those mental issues further. It only makes it harder to get out of that stuff. And the more that you separate yourself from the diets and separate yourself from the diet culture, because it is a culture, um, the more that you gain freedom to just be who you are and accept the body that you've got and and not be so worried about just eating food. Like you've got to eat to survive. Like there's no way to avoid that. You have to eat food for the rest of your life. And as long as you're having this internal battle every time you do that you will suffer and it will be miserable and it doesn't have to be like that if you learn how to separate yourself out from those that that diet culture this one kind of relates to what you just said as well i've history with eating disorder but want to stay in a calorie deficit should i still meal plan and use apps like my fitness pal or should i try to be more intuitive even though my knowledge is vague yeah it's that's a really tricky one i think again it's like look at why do you feel like you need to be in a calorie deficit? Why do you feel like you need to lose weight? What is it? Like, I think diving into that stuff further before you just be, decide to do a diet, like how, how healthy are you? Is it health or is it how you look? Because I think if it's, if it's health, then, then maybe we can have that discussion. But if it's just around how you look, then there's some other things that we need to talk about and deal with before we worry about a calorie deficit and whether you track or not. Like those are some really big issues that people just don't, like I feel like they're just not recognized because it's it seems to be an accepted part of being a human being on this planet that we diet to look a certain way and it's okay and it's like that's actually fucking not okay. Like we all have bodies, they all look different and that's okay. And the most important thing is that you're healthy and you're gonna see out however long you're gonna be on this planet for being able to take care of yourself and 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 not become, you know, I don't want to say victim, but not suffer from some kind of chronic disease. Like those, those are the big ticket items, like worrying about how you look. And, and I understand that it is hard and it's very easy for me to sit here and be like, Hey, just, you know, don't worry about that. But, um, it's definitely something that when you can start doing the work and start looking beyond, I need to look a certain way. And I, the only way I feel good is when I look a certain way and start finding resources because they are out there and that's the great thing about social media like you can find this really amazing information that are really body positive and are really pushing back on a lot of the images that we have been suffocated with through through the media for you know our whole lives um so yeah i i really i really push back on a lot of that stuff now and i really I'm, I'm kind of anti-diet as I'm like, you know, I, I help people diet, but I'm also anti-diet. It's a very tricky landscape, but, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of work to be done for everyone before they, you know, go on a diet. And everyone, uh, gets into CrossFit, they love it and they want to train twice a day or add in runs because that's how they think they get better. What are the athletes doing that general pop can't do 
that allows them to do these things? They recover so much harder than they train. It's not even funny. Like, um, I mean, someone that I love seeing talk about their recovery, and I've loved it from a long time ago. Like, I really liked watching James Newbury, his his progress as an athlete. Like, he was uh, he was a great athlete at regionals for like a couple of years, and then something changed. Like, something like a switch just flicked, and you could see like he was putting a lot of videos out, out about like his floating and his diet and like all these things that he was doing and like earthing and like something had changed and like I honestly am like there was something that happened mentally when he started focusing on his recovery and his health and his being on the whole rather than just hey I'm just I'm just going to be better and do more and that's going to make me the athlete that I want to be it's like no man you got to want to be a better fucking human um, in order to be your best athlete so um yeah I think recovery is like that is the the drug that you should be taking. Like it, it's not like there's no more exercise and more training. And, and yes, you got to be consistent and do the, do the volume and, and create the adaptation through applying stress, but you got to be able to recover from that stress in order to see the improvement. Sweet. Let's wrap it up. I know you got to get going. I'll just fire these questions. Just give me a really quick answer back. Best piece of advice you've ever been given. Oh, um, uh, assume the identity. So assume the identity means whatever your goal and whatever thing you want and that, that person that you want to be, it's, it's not you, who you are right now. So you have to assume the identity of that person. If it's a games athlete, you have to assume the identity of a games athlete. If it's being a better dad, you have to assume the identity of the best dad that you know. If it's being a better employee, if it's being a better partner, if it's being whatever it is, if it's being just the healthiest version of yourself, that is not where you are right now if that's your goal. So you have to know what that person is that's doing and like it's literally like ask yourself like when you're at, at a cafe like what what would the healthiest person that i know eat if they're ordering this cafe right now assume that identity mimic them copy them mirror them assume the identity is such an incredible tool to help us accomplish our goals because when we when we progress and we work towards something we have to see a change in our identity in order to make that one something that we can continue to do and two something that we um, that we have forever, you know, and that we actually grow from. Love that. Um, your definition of success? Oh, being healthy when I'm 100 and being able to wipe my own ass still. Yeah. Well, <laughs> where do you want to be in five years? Uh, I really want to open a gym. That's um, been something that's like a quiet goal that I've had for a really long time. I'm doing online programming now and shifting more and more towards that. Um, in five years, I see myself um, living in Melbourne, running a really small gym out of some little suburb in like southeast Melbourne and uh, l training my ass off and having good, fun. Hopefully. Good thing you didn't open it 12 months ago. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Last one, do you have a favourite quote? Yeah, I have two that always come to mind. Um, one is it's not who you are that holds you back. It is who you think you're not. And then the other one is an Annie Thursdutter quote that she put up. Actually, it might not even be by her, but she shared it years and years ago and I just have loved it. It's, um, I will not criticize or beat myself up for what I can't do today. I will just try again tomorrow. Yeah, love it. Where yeah. can the listeners find you? CFK. <laughs> everywhere on all the all the platforms <laughs> thanks very much for your time really appreciate yeah, it yeah awesome thank you sick of us not doing this right that's why i think i've gotten you from my life
No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spending the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your news. Thanks for listening, guys. If you like this, make sure you jump over and leave a review. Uh, also, take a screenshot of this and pop it on your Instagram story and tag me in it. Till next time, later.